precious to me after all these years. Still true and faithful is he through the joys and tears. His hand of wisdom I see after all these years. After all these years, praise the Lord.
Tonight, I would like to get back into the book of Revelation 
and see if we can uh, sort of tap into what we said the last service we dealt with this book of Revelation. But singing this song, while we're singing this song, I'm thinking of uh, scripture in John's gospel, John chapter 15. It is important when we come to church uh, that our minds be prepared to receive the word of God. Uh, We must have our minds prepared to receive the word of God. It is important that in the worship service, uh, what we fail to bring into church, we uh, can um, receive that. We can receive that connection and preparation uh, in the worship service. And sometimes not all worship services um, are, are able to accomplish that. But tonight I'm thinking of this scripture in John 15. And um, Jesus is writing here. He's talking here. Uh, he's making a statement. This King James Bible I have is not a red-letter edition, so it gives me that option to uh, make, make choices of uh, statements made here, whether it's Jesus saying it or, or the translators are putting it in. And in, he writes here in John 15... And he says, I am the true vine. Uh, When you say, when Jesus said, I am the true vine, um, I would imagine he's saying this because in that period of time, there were all kinds of vines. And vines here are, I would think that he's referring to that which connects with God. And I'm living, we're living in a world where um, I'm thinking, today I was thinking about this. I said, what about me getting a t-shirt? You know, this is um, Pride Month. They just say Pride Month. And so anywhere you go, um, you find these rainbow colors. And uh, that's another subject all by itself because I thought the rainbow was uh, God's indication that after he judged mankind... Uh, because of man's transgressions. Uh, In Genesis, the sixth chapter, mankind was so sinful. um, I think we are slowly getting to that place. But mankind was so sinful that religion was perverted, iniquity was all over the place, and uh, man's, the very intents of his heart was evil continuously. And so God annihilated He eliminated all of humanity, save eight individuals. And I'm thinking if he was judging, if God was to judge based on righteousness, maybe only Noah would have been saved. But God's a merciful God. And when he judged mankind and eliminated whatever sin was transpiring in the earth, And I think most of what was transpiring was a sense of a a practice of immoral things that really turned God's wrath on society in that time. Uh, There was no connection with God. And so going back there and looking at that, God eliminated the, the element that he thought was obnoxious. And animals... Mankind, babies, human beings, 
everyone was destroyed, according to the Bible, in that flood event, except Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. And when it was all over, resulting from the judgment, and God looked and it grieved him, uh, that's what the Bible says, using a human terminology, it grieved God. Uh, what God did, God put a rainbow in the sky to say, well, I will not flood the world anymore. If you cross at the Rainbow Bridge uh, coming from the United States and you cross into Canada at the Rainbow Bridge before you get to customs, before you get to the customs booth, if you look on the left-hand side, there is um, a big inscription of that scripture uh, that talks about the rainbow uh, in Genesis. I um, don't know if they removed that yet, but someday somebody's going to say, that does not speak well, remove it. And, um, but when I came across and I looked and saw that scripture there in Genesis that talked that God uh, placed a rainbow and they call that bridge the Rainbow Bridge. Well, somebody is making a mockery of God using the rainbow colors. It's a, it's a direct mockery to God and what he judged uh, the antediluvians with. And because you're trying to mock God by claiming that's your color, when it's not really your color, the color uh, is God's color, it belongs to us. And uh, this is uh, uh, the month that people are celebrating that. And I believe everyone, we have sinners in church, we have sinners out of the church. Everyone needs a, a chance to accept God in their lives. But I was thinking, uh, would it be wrong if I say, make a t-shirt and put a sign on says, I am normal. You figure, I wouldn't say you figure it out, but I just put it, say, I am normal. Well, your definition of normal might be a different thing than my definition. But I just want you to know I am normal. And when I say normal, I, when I look at a man, I recognize a man as a man. And when I look at a woman, I recognize a woman as a woman. And so my concept of things uh, is based on scripture. And I'm not here to throw off on anyone, uh, but I think sin would be judged whether sin is found in the church. And I preached a lesson recently that said that the rejection of the ministry is worse than that which existed in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so rejection right here in the church, iniquity, is something found in the church. And so these are things that we must understand. And when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, the world was not lacking religion. The world was not lacking religion because there were, there were Pharisees and Sadducees and Essenes. These are the ones we know about. But there might have been smaller organizations, everyone claiming that they are a path or a vine to the Father. Today, in today's world, uh, we have various religions that claim that they are all connected to God. As a matter of fact, someone made it so uh, widespread and so accommodating that says, no matter what religion you belong to, 
All these rivers lead into one ocean. Well, my river does not lead into the same ocean that all the other rivers lead into. Um, I think if everybody has a river going into an ocean, it might not be an ocean. It might just be the Dead Sea. Mine is what Jesus is talking about here, and I hope it is yours. Because of the subtlety of the devil, he can have you right in the heartbeat of the work of God, and you're deceived. So Jesus, in the midst of religion in his time, he had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all this element of religious people around him. And it's hard for you to understand what I'm saying if God, unless God touches your mind. Because we are here today and we have our religion that we are proud of our religion. And every Christian organization is proud of their religion. Tonight, I want to forget all the, the, the other religions. And I want to forget all the other uh, denominations. I want to talk to us. We that call ourselves the Gospel Assembly Church or we claim that we are the body of Christ. Hindsight, I said in the last service, is always 2020 vision. And when I say hindsight is 2020 vision, it means for me to understand what's really existing. In my day, it is good to use a comparison with the past. And so when Jesus started his church on the day of Pentecost, before that church got started, Jesus planted a lot of lessons in the hearts of the people. The foundation that the Lord laid uh, was, uh, was in the hearts of his disciples. And here is one chapter that he's telling them some beautiful things. In the last service, I think, or two services ago, I mentioned how Jesus appreciated his heavenly Father and that he said he would not do anything that the Father did not approve. But yet, today, while I was, I was uh, pondering a few things, I think I might have, might have been driving, a thought that struck my mind was that uh, if we have an opportunity... Uh, we would like to remove that in the negatives in our lives, which was really placed there to save us. Remember that lesson I preached about if I were God? And so, whether I, I have, I'm fired off the job or I have an, any other negative thing in my life, uh, positive things too can be a problem, but I'm thinking of negative things. Uh, oh, God, I've got uh, bad neighbors. Lord, um, uh, move the neighbors out. And you saw, praise God, when the neighbors are gone, right? But every negative thing that God has brought along my path is given to me for a challenge to, uh, to allow my spirituality to develop. I'm given the negatives. All things work together for good, to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. God in his wisdom allow people in your life, allow things in your life, allow situations to happen to you that's not pleasant to give you a chance 
to grow in God and develop. If Paul the Apostle walked into this church tonight and I prayed and fast for, you know, a good 20 days and I come on in with all kinds of uh, lightning bolt coming out of my fingers, you know, and I touch you, you just get slain and all that kind of stuff. If Paul the Apostle came on in and uh, walked into this church and he comes up and he says, I brother sing, I've got a thorn in the flesh. God, this messenger of the devil is buffeting me. Please pray for my deliverance. Now, here are two scenarios. If I pray for Paul's deliverance and he gets delivered, he would die lost. I'm going to say that again. If I, Paul comes up to me and I pray for his deliverance, and I'm holding my finger in John 15 because I really want to get there, but I'm turning back into, into Corinthians where Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. In, uh, in Corinthians, he talked uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh. He says in, he says, verse 7, uh, for, back up a little in verse 1, uh, it's such a beautiful chapter. But uh, we've got some time here. He says, it is ex not expedient for me, uh, verse 12, verse 1, it, it, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He says, I knew a man. Now, he didn't say, I am the man, but he says, I knew a man uh, in Christ about 14 years ago. Uh, over 14 years ago, I know this man. He's in Christ. Uh, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. <laughs> Whatever this man is experiencing, whether he did it in the body, I can't tell you. And whether he did it out of the body, I can't tell you. So it might be a spiritual experience, an out-of-body experience. He says, I can't tell you. He says, God know it. Such a man, such an one, was caught up to third heaven. A third heaven is actually the place that God dwells in. And we have already discussed this issue some time ago. Uh, when it comes to the earth, if everyone that lives on the globe of the earth point upwards, uh, then we'll be having a far way to find God because you on the north side, uh, would, you know, on one side you're pointing and as everyone point, it goes in a different direction. I believe, and I'd like to speculate, and a lot of things I do is speculate, I believe that God lives, uh, heaven is, uh, third heaven is towards the north of our earth. And I say that because the scripture does say, uh, when Satan uh, wanted to challenge God, he uh, wanted to establish his throne in, above the north. Right? Promotion cometh not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but promotion cometh from the Lord. You know what is left out? The north. So promotion, if I'm to point where God is, I must be able to point towards the north. And that's a good speculation. That's just speculation based on a couple of scriptures. But um, Paul is saying this man was caught up to third heaven and he had some wonderful experiences. He says, um, I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God know it. 
how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Whatever he heard, he should never even preach. Uh, you know, there are things that God would put in a minister's heart sometimes that he could never probably preach for his whole life. There are things that I feel God has placed in my heart, and I'm not like Paul. I never got caught up anywhere. Uh, but uh, I, I feel there are things that I have in my heart and an understanding that I have that I can never share with anyone because I don't feel people are ready to listen to that. I share what I feel God wants me to share. And what he doesn't want me to share, I cannot share. And so Paul said this man had experiences. Uh, he couldn't tell anyone about what he has got. How did Paul know? Well, logically, I would like to conclude this was Paul. But he's not taking the credit of being caught up to third heaven. And however it was, he, he's saying this was a certain man. Well, if the certain man should not mention it to anybody, how did Paul know? And Paul, Paul is talking here, right? He says, of such a one I will glory. He says, I want to thank God for such a person that had such an experience. He says, of such a one I will glory yet of myself. I will not glory but in my infirmities. I've got sicknesses. I've got flaws. I've got uh, things in my life that are not so wonderful why would Paul glory in that? Why would a man say, praise God for the bad days? Well, if you have a revelation and your mind is illuminated and you can understand how God works, you will also appreciate God for the negative challenges that God brings along your path. I'm saying all of that because I'm simply thinking of Jesus kneeling down to pray. And when he said... I only do what the Father command me, that's what I do. But yet when he knelt down to pray in Gethsemane and the pressure of sin and guilt came upon him and was placed on him, he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. Let this negative thing, let this trial, let this uh, situation that I don't think it's a wonderful situation. Can it pass? Can I have a good day today? Can, 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 can... I, is there another way than the cross? That's what he was asking the father. Because he was actually under the pressure that no other human being on this planet in the past nor in the future can ever understand nor feel because Jesus took upon him the sin of the world, the guilt of the world, the penalty for God's judgment on, on that individual. Jesus took it. And the worst part of all was when the father turned his face from him as a final judgment against the sin because he stood in my place. And when he said, Father, let this cup pass from me, you know, every one of us would like to say that when it comes to our daily trials and the situations that are negative in our lives. We wish it would not happen to us. But if God is perfecting people, there's only one way fire. Gold is purged, and that is by fire. 
Now, I've got my finger in John 15. I've got my finger in, in, in Corinthians here. And I'm turning further on back here to uh, Peter's writing. And Peter, uh, in his epistle, uh, he writes like this, and I'm getting there. Uh, he said here, and it's beautiful. Uh, Peter's writing is so beautiful. He says in chapter, in First Peter, in First Peter, uh, there, this epistle is so beautiful. I'll pass a few things as we're going along. In chapter 2, he says, wherefore, laying aside, lay aside, lay aside. Your responsibility as a child of God, you've got to lay aside. You see, there are some things that we have to get involved with. I remember my brother that just passed away. Uh, when he was young, he was a Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> Believe it or not, I used to look up to him as a Pentecostal preacher. And I told you this story some time ago. Uh, we are out there pre- preaching and praying for people, accepting Christ. And this drunk man comes, uh, almost drunk. And he says, pray for me. Please pray for me. Uh, pray for me that I don't touch the alcohol anymore. So my brother looked at him. And I don't know if my brother was even saved, but he was preaching, right? He looked at him, and he says, the, the lectern had a, a post. He says, hold on to this post. So the man held on to the post. He says, now tell the post to loose, loose you. The man says, what? He says, tell the post to loose you. He says, no, I hold on. He says, okay, don't tell the post anything. Tell God to loose you. The man looked at him. He says, he's not going to do it. He says, how are you going to get free? He says, I got to lose it. He says, you go and lose it. And there are responsibilities that we are to develop that we are responsible for taking action. And Peter said here in, in uh, chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he says, Wherefore, laying aside, we are to lay aside all malice and all guile. And we're talking about human relationship here because malice is against people. Guile is that deceptive thing against people. He says all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, uh, even hypocrisies I'm pretending to con you by pretending I'm to be something when I'm not. Uh, It's all dealing with human relationship. And that is why today in today's world we need to love people more than we ever loved them in all our lives. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Can we learn to do that? Can you walk out there in the day and be nice to everyone you meet? Just be pleasant. Just be pleasant. And Peter went on, he says, envies and evil speaking. And then he goes on here. He talks about chosen to serve a special purpose. But then in chapter 3, chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, Beloved, beloved, think not it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. And you know, this is the funny thing, because you talk to people all the time, and I was speaking to someone recently. I remember talking to Brother Terry when he was in prison. And he told me, says, Brother Des, he says, 22 years are gone, and it's almost 23 years. He says, I never committed this crime. And I prayed, and I fasted, and I asked God to free me. And he has kept me here for 22 years. 
I said, well, that's not too bad. And then he looked at me, bewildered. There is he sitting at the back. He yeah, I hope he can remember this. So I said, how much years? I asked back again. He says, 22 going to 23 years. I said, that's not so bad. God kept Moses 40 years in the wilderness. And that was only to get rid of Egypt out of Moses. When God had to get rid of Moses out of Moses, another 40 years. So yours is not too bad. 22, nah, that's not too bad at all. And sometimes you feel like God is not answering your prayer. <clears throat> he does answer your prayer. God moved the fiery trial. He wouldn't move it. Getting back to Paul, we're talking about this. Now Peter says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing. Well, if someone has put a lot of iniquity in your life that you feel all things must be bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord made them all. Your days must be without trouble, no sun, no cloudy days. That's not what God does. God has created a path for you, and that path involves negative things and positive things, so all things does work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. There must be a, a, an acceptance in your life of the negative things that happen to you because it is meant not to make you angry or make you discouraged. It is meant to make you cleaner and purge the dross out of your life to develop the spirit of Christ. And when the strange things happen to you, he says, which is to try as though some strange thing has happened to you, rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Why did Christ have to suffer? You know, the simple thing is, why didn't God just snap his finger, and he doesn't, uh, human terminology, snap his finger and save the whole world? Why did he allow Eve to be created so the weaker vessel could be deceived and Adam could enter into sin and sin enters into the world and so many people are suffering. Why has all the problems, uh, the, the, why have we so many problems in the world? Why didn't God, why he allowed his own son to suffer? Well, if he allowed his own son to suffer to accomplish an eternal purpose, your life to work and to rule and reign with Christ is a small thing for God to do. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it's, it's not easy when you're suffering. You want to complain like Job. But God had an end project <clears throat> for Job. He had a plan made for Job. The end result was to make him a better man. See, the race is not for the swift. I had someone told me today that um, they respect my dedication and commitment, and I appreciate that, and I, I sort of put a disclaimer at the bottom there. I said, well, um, if people really know the struggles I have to live for God and to be uh, able to be faithful, I don't have as much struggles today as I did before, but I still struggle. There are still battles there's still things that I have to bear up with. There's still challenges and fiery trials that's come along my path. 
because I would like to be in the resurrection. And you don't get there. Fiery trials, which don't think it's a strange thing. You know, for as much in as much as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be also, uh, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And he says there, but you are, when, but if you be reproached for the name of Christ, be happy. Someone cuss you off because you're a Christian, be happy. But you see, some of us do not even want to make that sacrifice that people recognize that we are Christians because they will persecute us. So we try to avoid the persecution. And we don't want the fire, but we want the cookie to be baked without fire. You understand what I'm saying? We want the gold to be purged without fire. Impossible. It cannot happen. And so back here in Paul's uh, letter to the church at Corinth, uh, Paul is saying, he says, I will glory in mine infirmity. In verse 7 he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure, because I was caught up to third heaven, because I have an abundance of revelation, because I have so many things that God has given and shown to me, I could be exalted. And when I'm thinking of my own life and I'm thinking of how many times I could have died and miraculously God saved me. When I'm thinking of my boyhood days when I fell into that little creek and could have drowned but God saved me. I remember when I got struck with a motorcycle and a bicycle and I was completely on the other side of the road. How I got there, I know how I got there. Some angel put me over there because the bicycle and my motorcycle, the motorcycle and my bicycle was all wrapped up and that guy suffered bruises and I was without a scratch. I felt God saved me. When I, when I fell off the scaffolding, when the scaffolding tilted and Brother Joe was there, I, I could have died, broke my back or something. When I fell off the ladder, I could have broke my spine. But God allowed infirmities to happen only to a certain extent for my maturity and strength. You take that away and I wouldn't be what I am today. When I was caught up in the basement there and that man, uh, the armed robber was running around and that woman walked in there and I felt it was an angel that saved me that day. Don't tell me God didn't protect my life. Well, I deserve it. No, I don't deserve it. He protected my life and I could be exalted above measure. So I need some thorns in my flesh to help me not to get exalted, not to feel you see, I'm talking to you today, and I have no doubt whatsoever in my mind that God has called me, and anyone that receives me, receive what God is offering you, and you reject me, you have rejected truth. I, I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe in fighting you, but I believe in preaching the word, and the elect will receive it, and the elect will find it, and the elect will submit themselves to it, I don't have to run around politically and trying to force people. No, no, no. I don't believe in doing that. I will preach the word of God as I feel God has given me. And everyone that listens to that word can either be educated or illuminated in their lives. And they could be a part of the first resurrection or come up in the final resurrection. I believe my calling is genuine. 
in spite of my many infirmities. And so Paul, he talks about, he says, lest I should be exalted above measure, there was given through the abundance of revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. God always have something to keep you humble. And so I walk and sometimes I limp and sometimes I struggle. And the last thing I'd like to do is complain about my aches and pains because it was given to me for my benefit. And whatever was given to me is to develop me in God. God never errs in judgment. And Paul says this, <clears throat> this was given to him uh, for so he should not be sinned. You see, Paul's thorn was not a judgment of God because of sin. It was the, th- the judgment and chastening of God to avoid sin. Do you understand that? He was not judged for some sin. No, he had so much of revelation, God had to give him a thorn to keep him humble. And I wish God will keep me humble. I have so much to talk about. And what I told you in a few minutes ago is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much to talk about in my life that I can praise God for. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about what God wants you to hear tonight. And that is important. And so for you, those of you listening to me, don't fight me. Uh, Well, I want to fight, fight away. Obey the word I preach and you'll be saved. Don't pray. You see, I don't pray when God is taking someone through a trial. I don't pray, oh God, take away the trial. No, 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 don't take away the storm, Lord. Make them a skilled sailor. Tell them to set their sails right. Because we all must be purged. And if we can fall on the rock, and the rock does a job on our lives because our willingness to submit, our willingness to yield to God, then he would let the rock fall on us. Same job complete. See, Jonah thought, okay, uh, he's sending me to preach the gospel to a rebellious nation. And I'm going to go tell him exactly what he told me to tell him, that in 40 days, blow up. You're gone. You're you're destroyed. Well, that's what God told him to preach. But he knew from experience that God's a merciful God and he might spare these people and he, the preacher, might look dumb. So I prefer you to kill them if I'm going to preach to them. Because I'm going to tell them you'll destroy them. So he said, no, God is a merciful God. He's going to spare them, so let me flee. And here is something that you can flee from. You can flee from the will of God. The perfect will of God must be fulfilled in the lives of every elect child of God. You can't run from it. You might dodge it. You might dodge the bullet. You might make all kinds of excuses. But if, if you're an elect child of God, he will save you. He will save you. He'll take away all your props. And let you fall on your face. He will save you. And that's what Jesus said. Father let his cup pass from me. But then he realized. If he did not die. The world will, will lie in sin. And be condemned eternally. If he did not die. You and I could not be talking about his salvation here tonight. So he said. My will is that this cup pass from me. But my will also is to do your will. 
So it's not according to what I want, Father, but according to what you want. And it's not easy to pray that prayer. Thy will be done. And sometimes we say on earth, and uh, sometimes you read in earth. But may your will be done in my life as it should be done. And Paul says, he said, um, where am I right now? I'm in, um, in, in 2 Corinthians, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians, he says, I exalted above measure, said, uh, lest I should be exalted above measure to the abundance of revelation there was given to me, a thorn in the flesh. And I believe that Paul had weak vision, but the thorn in the flesh, I went through, I got my message, you know, when I was doing all this research by myself, I came up with the concept that Paul had bad vision. Uh, just like when the angel touched uh, Jacob's uh, tie that day, and he limped for the rest of his life. Jacob limped when God touched him. I believe the Lord touched Paul and when he made him blind, he could not see clearly after that. He had an after effect that remained there for a purpose. And that is why someone always had to write Paul's letters. He said, I came up with all of that. But when I read the scripture, it says, a messenger of the devil, of Satan, to buffet me. It's more than just bad eyes. Oh, he told the churches of Galatia, he says, if it were possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given me. That is not a messenger of the devil. This one was a messenger of the devil to buffet him. He says, it buffeted me. Uh, he says, uh, where am I? He says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I had this bombarding uh, from the devil. Now, whether it was a person or a fallen angel or a demon, I don't know. He didn't say. But there was that element in Paul that made him feel, oh, wretched man that I am. There was something in Paul that made him feel like he should not be exalted. And there's a lot of times God gives a minister something to keep him from getting exalted. When God doesn't give a minister something like that, he is one exalted person that will preach to many and be lost when it's all over. And so Paul went on here. He says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. You mean, Lord, please heal me. Lord, please heal me. Lord, that's three times, right? No, I believe Paul went into fasting and praying and says, God, this problem I've got, this thorn I've got is bothering me. Please give me. Deliverance, And the Lord says, uh, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect or complete in weakness. So there was this element in Paul that we call a weakness, and I would not speculate on a man of God's life. Whatever it was, he says, most gladly, therefore, because of this, he says, I will glory. I will glory. In mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. What's wrong with you, brother? <clears throat> I take pleasure in my new car, in my bungalow, in my promotion on the job, in my bank account. I take pleasure in my good looks and the kind of clothes, uh, designer's clothes I wear. No, 
If God is working in your life, your spirit has to be worked on. It's the fickle and the immature and the little boyish spirit that preachers have that make them want to glory in these carnal things. And Paul says, he says, I take pleasure in in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions. See, when I drive down Lakeshore, one of the things I tell you, some one of my weaknesses this, this year. Uh, this year, I like to ride, drive down there, you know, Sister Cindy. And when I go on Lakeshore, I try to pass Dairy Cream. At 11 o'clock, 11.30, 12 o'clock, and up to 1 o'clock, there's nobody in line. The sinners go in the afternoon. The Christians tackle it in the day. <laughs> so Sister Chandra and I would go. And uh, I said, I call her, I said, they're, they're empty. And if we're going there, I know Nadine likes a, milk, a strawberry milkshake. Chandra like a swirl cone. And I, the only cone I like there is rum and raisin. I used to like the chocolate dip. But theirs tastes like wax. So I don't really like that. So I go down there. And if there is a lineup and I feel like I need to have my taste of cone, I drive to McDonald's and join a line of cars to ask for a single cone. So I I go down there. Well, Paul, what you want? I want an ice cream cone, a strawberry sundae. I want a a, um, salted caramel a piece of chocolate cake. Huh? You ask a person what you want today and they'll tell you all kinds of fancy stuff they want. Well, here was this man. What he saw, the value that he saw in, in infirmities and in the negatives where the fire was, was because he had a revelation. Unless you have a revelation, you'll complain and groan and quarrel. But when you have a revelation, you'll say, okay, lay it down, Lord. I'll take this day I want on my shopping list, infirmities. Number two, reproaches. Number three, necessities. Number four, persecutions. Number five, distresses. He says, for Christ's sake, for Jesus' sake. I'm doing this for Jesus' sake, not because I'm a mugger. He says, for Jesus' sake, for when I'm weak and I'm busted and beaten, my spirit grows stronger. It is sad if you're going through a trial and you're not growing stronger. It is sad if you go through COVID-19 and your spirituality becomes less. Then you did not learn, and I tell you what, you're a candidate for the first phase of the final resurrection. There's nothing like that, so don't even try to find it. But um, he says, what do you think I am? He says, I am become stupid. I am become a fool. Listen to it. Read it. I am become a fool in glorying, because I'm not glorying for nice cars and nice clothes and nice house and nice looks and nice position on the workforce. Nice garden, nice, you know, I'm not talking. That's not what I glory in. He says, I glory. He says, I'm become a fool in glory. You compelled me that for I ought to have been commended of you 
For in nothing am I a bit, uh, behind the very chiefest apostle, though I be nothing. He says, I might look like I'm an ordinary guy. I might just be the regular ordinary guy walking around, you know. What you doing? For years I drove old vehicles. I still drive an old one that looks new. But um, you, you drive around and people take you for granted because you're just an ordinary person. You know what? I love to be ordinary. I, Brother John, I love to be ordinary. I love to be simple. I love to keep my suits forever. Because why, why, why get another suit? You can't see the sheen on this one, right? It's just look, it doesn't it look black and nice and beautiful? Yeah. Why go waste money? And, and you think about it, don't, don't follow the rat race. You see, when the pandemic is over, people will go back to their merriment. And God will go back to his judgment. And if you can't learn your lesson, like the man that answered the phone, you burn your face twice. And so when all of this is over, uh, Paul is making this strong statement. He says... You compel me, he says. So I had to do all of these things. He says, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you all in, in patience and in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And so here in John 15, Jesus is telling his disciples, beautiful chapter. We've got five minutes to go. He says, I am not a false vine, not an imitation vine, not a make-believe vine. Because a lot of times religion, Christian religion, has become, the body of Christ has been contaminated and gone into captivity without them realizing it. And people, some people would realize it, but other people would keep on, enjoy their captivity. And that is no good. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. The true vine. Don't latch on to some fake Jesus. You might have many fathers, Paul says, but I'm one father. He says, many might come unto you and preach another Jesus. And that's a scripture I had in mind to deal with, but we'll deal with it some other time when we're continuing Revelation. He says, you might want to, uh, to, uh, to follow some other Jesus. No, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. The Pharisees, not the true vine. The Sadducees, not the true vine. All this movement out here, he says, not the true vine. I'm the true vine. He says, my father is the husbandman. And if you abide in this true vine, you, uh, uh, divine, in, in every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. And every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purged it, that it might bring forth more fruit. If you're a profitable child of God, and God is using you and you are being a blessing to people. God will do like he did to Job and he might purge you. And the purging is never good. Because a lot of times when we're going through purging, we make a lot of promises. Oh God, please, I will do this, I will do that. And when it's over, we go back to the same old lifestyle. That will happen when this pandemic is over. Sin will go on sinning. Hypocrisy will go on in his hypocrisy. The merry heart will continue marrying. And some people never learn. 
the majority of mankind will go back to the majority of their evils and hypocrisies and churches will carry on just like they did before, failing to recognize that everyone came under the judgment of God. So may God help us to be attached to the true vine. And the Lord says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. And every branch in me that beareth fruit, hallelujah, he purgeth it. What? Yes, the cross, the negatives. Don't pray that God remove the negatives. Pray that God give you the faith and confidence to believe God for the negatives. That through it all, you can come back and you can look back at your Red Sea and say, I crossed you on dry land. You can look at the mountain and says, I didn't turn back when I saw you, but I climbed you. And I'm looking at you after the fact. You can look back at the battle and says, I've won. In the name of Jesus, I already won the battle. No battle, no victory. No challenges, no growth. And spiritual development. And that is why when you read this Bible, you wonder why did God punish all his people? You read Hebrews 11 and there seems to be no end to it. <clears throat> that is because goal must be purified and purged. And that is why tonight is a wonderful night. Because this lesson is not meant for your head. It is meant for your heart. Because when you face your challenges, it's never sweet. You, you want to complain? Complain away. But God will help you through it all, that you will look back and appreciate the trial and the fiery trial when you see the goal being purified. Uh, vessels of honor unto the Lord. And so he said, Jesus said, and now you're clean through the words which I've spoken unto you. I'm telling you tonight, if you incorporate what I've said, you'll be clean through the words that I have spoken unto you. May God give you understanding. Let us pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this Wednesday night. We don't know how this service could have been better, Father. But please, O oh God, those of us that are going through challenges in our lives, help us, Father, to latch on to these promises and these truths from your word, to see the examples of Scripture, Father, and develop our faith. Increase our faith, O oh Father, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, let this message be heard, O God, by every elect child of God that you so desire to hear it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen.